Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, brought to you by MissedApexPodcast.com. We live F1. And Downforce Radio, the nation's motorsport station. Today's episode is called Let Them Race. No, 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 not like that. I'm your host, Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Chris Rainbow Sparkle Stevens. How's it going, Chris? Hey, yeah, it's going great. It's been uh, just a fantastic weekend of motorsport. It really has. And again, the most important thing is 2017 has delivered another race that was highly entertaining, engaging, and most importantly, competitive. Yeah, five cars all nose to tail at the start of the race, even if it didn't end up finishing like that. It was a very enjoyable Grand Prix. It was. And from our pre-chat, we're going to agree on all the key points of this race as we review the Bahrain Grand Prix. We're going to agree who was at fault between Signs and Stroll, whether Hamilton should have got a penalty and who is ultimately faster. So really a very straightforward episode. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't even bother listening to the end of it. It's just going to be all us agreeing and complimenting each other, I think. We are an independent podcast hosted by MissedApexPodcast.com. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here. So you can play this with kids in the background or at work. Chris, should we bring in some guests? I think that would be a superb idea. Especially as we're lacking Matt Trumpets and shockingly leaning heavily on you. Let's hope the caliber's good. Well, I mean, I could do, I could pretend to be man of your... I, I, Hey, hey, Spanners, how's it going? Wow, that was embarrassing for everyone. Uh, joining us is our race tactical driver steward representative. It's Alex Jeansy Van Jean. How are you going, Alex, our expert racer? I am all good. I'm here with you present despite a really bad back. You're a hero. That would have killed, a, that would have killed a lesser man or made him not appear on the podcast. And uh, joining us is Downforce Radio guru, Eurosport commentator, and all-round TV car dude. It's Jake Sanson. 
Hello, guys. It's great to be back on Mr. Apex again. I've really missed it. And uh, yeah, I'm actually coming to you for those who are looking at the visual stream from a racetrack this weekend. I'm so busy. Yeah, and that, that is why you are echoey, because you are in an actual commentary booth of Donington Park. I am, yes. Apologies for the echo. I don't want it to impede your listening of the podcast this week too much, but I am here at uh, Donington Park, which has just seen some touring car things, which for those who are Formula One fans, those are the cars that have basically roofs that you know look like the ones on the road that bash each other sideways uh that uh, you have different winners every time and you, you you don't really you're not really interested it's very different to formula one but uh, yeah it's been good racing here nonetheless and maybe some formula one stars of the future we saw out there today as well so that's worth a, a little bit of a link random bumper cars gotcha the big dirty news this week though is the open wheel greatness that is this season's formula one big dirty news All right, I want to start off by asking you guys one simple question. Is Formula One now a driver series? Yes, we've put up with Formula One being an engine series, an aero series, a Ferrari series. But I'm starting to get the opinion now, Alex, that this is starting to be a place where a driver can make a real difference. Palmer, so far off Hulkenberg. Stroll, so far off Massa. Kimmy, so far off Seb. Yeah, it's finally seems like they have cars they can hustle which has never been the case for the last six years, maybe. <clears throat> they haven't been able to hustle cars. So to be able to actually see them take cars by the scruff of the neck now, and DRS isn't a guaranteed pass anymore. It's enough to keep you in check. So yeah. DRS is actually doing the job it was originally brought in to do, however many years later, which is great. And now you've got to make a lunch, as we saw a couple of times today. Some worked, some didn't. <laughs> but at least now the drivers can make the difference. Um, I I kind of agree with that uh, in that the drivers can use their driving um, their driving techniques more. That's slightly more exaggerated. Um, but Fernando Alonso made a really interesting comment in Barcelona testing that the added downforce and the added speed of the cars means that there's actually almost less a driver can do to to really make um, the difference and. I, I feel like the the examples that you gave, Spanners, are, are maybe extreme circumstances where the drivers are really struggling with the cars because ultimately Formula One is still 90% car, 10% driver. You know, a driver can still outperform his car, but Carlos Sainz isn't exactly going to get on the podium anytime soon just because he is brilliant. Bernie Eccleston in the chat room is saying Hamilton is hoping it doesn't become a driver series controversial. You know, that doesn't win you any friends in this audio. This, this is a ham fossey chair by the way. Uh, but welcome, welcome to all of the chat room. Paul Wright, Hannah Hassel, Sandra Reynolds saying Bottas going slow made Red Bull look faster. Uh, who else is in there? Ellis. In my view, Verstappen was untouchable. Pretty sure he touched a wall. Um, did somebody else mention that in the chat room? But anyway, welcome again to a very busy chat room. Jake, it's a driver series. Come on. I think it is now. Yeah, I think we've kind of got back to what we had sort of mid 90s ish, sort of 93, 94, 95 to a certain degree. It's great to see the drivers actually pushing it to a certain degree. It's not quite as fast and furious as phonetic as we've had it over the last sort of 10, 15 years or so. But I think it is a pure Formula One again. It's closer to what I used to see when I was a kid, sort of 95, 96 season. It's closer to that which is what I loved about Formula One in the good old days. You know, we genuinely are not sure 
sure whether it's going to be Hamilton or Vettel who wins a race now. And I think that's exactly what Formula One needs. We don't necessarily need five or six different drivers winning races. What we need is a battle royale duel to the death between two of the best drivers in the world in two of the best cars. That's what we've been looking for for ages. And that's what we've got. I think this is going to be one of the best years for ages. I tell you what, Chris. Though the the one place where the drivers were had very very little between them uh, was Mercedes. So I mean, let's break down what happened with that because everybody's been saying Bottas hasn't quite got the measure of Hamilton. But here we were in Q3. Bottas walks away with the pole. I have to say, although Hamilton was was generous in defeat and pointed it all at Valtteri's uh, ability and his performance, I I really felt like he just dropped the ball in Q3 he didn't perform to his best no great shakes Chris we didn't expect him to win 20 poles this season no not at all and I I think maybe coming down on um, either side of the whether he uh, made a mistake or Bottas was just quicker argument um, would be uh, would be wrong I think because um, I mean obviously it was always going to take Valtteri a little bit of time to get up to speed had he come into the first race and matched lewis straight away that would have been quite exceptional but lewis lewis did a really great first lap in in q3 no doubt it was it was always close between him and bottas and um bottas did a really good job to just kind of eke out those extra couple of hundreds but lewis he was up on his lap in sector one but not as much as as bottas but then from there, we don't really know what he would have done. See, Alex, what he's done there, Chris Stevens, he's pulled a Stevens, hasn't he? Oh, we can't really judge one way. No, come to a conclusion. Alex, make a hasty judgment on this. So I'm going to do something controversial, and I'm going to agree with Chris. Oh, my that God. The first lap from Lewis was very, very good. <clears throat> um, and Bottas's was equally good. I mean, he was a couple of tenths off. Not even a couple of tenths, um, a couple of hundreds off. Um, and Lewis was up on his time and Bottas' time in sector one and went a little bit wide on one corner. <laughs> yeah, Using the whole phrase of blown it, it was a qualified driver putting his fastest lap time in. Bottas did a fantastic job. I'm actually really pleased for Bottas. Yeah. Because, well, I was pleased for Bottas until the race started, but <laughs> I, was, I was really pleased with Bottas because he needed to show that he can, on a hot lap, where arguably Lewis is at his best that he can beat him and it's really good for his confidence um but as we saw today it's about race pace and I'm not seeing any of that from Bottas and it worries me all right then let's uh let's move on just a little bit um overall we had a race in China where the overtakes really impressed us where DRS impressed us Jake are you still feeling that positive that it's delivering good racing no because I think Bahrain gave us a little bit of a different show I, I think it was slightly uh, it wasn't quite the same sort of uh, drs infused overtaking that we kind of saw from china we had a different dynamic to the race today because we kind of really got to see you know some of the negative comments uh, from testing the drivers gave you know we're going to really struggle in dirty air particularly in the early stages of the race it, it was kind of you almost felt that Vettel was getting really frustrated sat behind Bottas when he could have gone for an overtake when he could have made that move in the early stages and I actually felt that you know Bahrain kind of lends itself to that frustration of dirty air and it's a difficulty that the drivers kind of have to learn to work with and with these new cars here for the first time on that circuit that's the kind of race that we saw today, but it was just a really interesting uh, 
sign of the times that Vettel was actually able to use that frustration to his advantage over the course of the race. Uh, but as a result of that, you know, drivers are not just having to push it to the limit. They're having to think smarter than they used to be able to do. You know, it used to be all about, well, you get yourself into a good position, first couple of laps, that will dictate the rest of your race. We seem to be in a position where actually the Formula One cars are so different that you can pull a fast one on a couple of the drivers around yep. you. It's a much more strategic Formula One, which is exactly what we've been screaming for. I think the criticisms we had from Australia, it's uh, it's kind of forgotten now because we saw in China, you can have action without the RS and you can have it with. Here in Bahrain, we saw a real strategic game plan between the two best teams and the two best drivers in Formula One. It was majestic. Yeah. And in the chat room, Toro Anderson is saying, I'll throw a torch in here. If we get rid of China, Singapore, Russia, Bahrain, Azerbaijan, Abu Dhabi, then all the boring Tilkadrome racing can go away. See, we've perhaps not seen uh, the traditional circuits yet. I don't really count the street circuits. I'm not a great fan of them. So for me, I think we'll only see if that's true when we get into sort of Barcelona, uh, then don't bother watching Monaco and then get into the European season. And we'll see how these cars kind of really st stack up. Not that I'm someone who particularly hates um, the Tilkadromes, so-called anyway. Uh, all right, then uh, let's get on to the race. Chris Stevens, normally Matt does our strategy and our starts. We are going to have to lean on you this week to tell us where the race was won and lost well uh the the race was probably lost by uh lewis under the the safety car um when he backed up ricardo on the way in obviously vettel had already pitted at that moment uh interesting again to see the the situation crop up that vettel pits and the safety car comes out but uh, at that stage vettel had already uh done his job done enough to put himself ahead of Bottas so that when they both came in he was uh, ahead of both of them I think Bottas had a bit of a slow stop as well because he had to wait for uh, a car to come past him Chris I've actually been you know pretty critical of Ferrari's calls um, on uh, when they pit and stuff but barring these two safety cars they've actually made the right calls and more importantly they've made bold calls at the right time yeah they've really been playing the offensive rather than the defensive, which is what Mercedes have sort of been doing uh, at the moment. And uh, you're, you're right. We look back at last year and they threw away some really great results by uh, doing the wrong um, strategies. But uh, Australia was exactly the right call. China, they got unlucky with the safety car, so it's not really their fault. And um, yeah, this, this weekend they, they played a blinder again. Yes, I'm sort of almost getting the sense now. When it came to first pit stop time, I'm, I'm already worried as a uh, Hamfosi uh, cheering on our Brit Lewis Hamilton, as all Patriots should do. Uh, I'm already getting nervous because I'm thinking Ferrari are going to take the initiative. And I think when they go for the undercut, Jake, they're putting everybody else on the back foot. They're making people play their game instead of reacting, or as was the case last season, not reacting. Yeah, it's kind of old school Ferrari we're getting here. I haven't seen Ferrari play this kind of strategic game with another team since about the year 2000 when it was Hakkinen versus Schumacher. They're really being quite smart in terms of how they're reading a situation. They know that Mercedes have got them backed into a corner. So they go, OK, we're going to outbox them. We're going to second guess them. We're not going to let them know what we're planning. And sometimes in motor racing, the air of mystery and enigma is exactly how you're going to get to the front. I've seen it quite regularly, actually, in a few other different disciplines of motor racing where you think it's clear cut. Just second guessing another strategy and making people, you know, try and guess at what you're doing to put them on the back foot 
it can be really sneaky and it's a great way to win races. And Vettel is kind of in that position when he now has the kind of car and he has the kind of structure within the team to be able to think on his wavelength. This is probably the best I've ever seen Vettel work in any Formula One team, never mind with Red Bull or anything in the past. I think what Ferrari have created this year is a team that's able to get on that sort of wavelength and go, okay, we can't beat Mercedes on pure pace. We can, however, beat them with street smarts. They're so good at this at the moment. Isn't it funny how Ross Brown comes back to the sport and Ferrari do well again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's not just coincidence. No, no. What Ferrari uh, have done today is what I think Mercedes might have forgotten how to do after a few years of diamonds, which is drive the strategy. Okay, you play your game. I'm gonna we're gonna play ours first. Yep. And instantly puts everyone on the back foot. Um and I just think uh, Merck might be a little bit race rusty because they can't just get out of this with pace anymore where they have been able to for the last few years. Is th- does this potentially have something to do with the absence of Paddy Lowe? Has that given them a bit of a hit in terms of their strategy? Or are they going to see a benefit from that, do we think? Well, Paddy wasn't so much on the strategic side as he was the technical side. So I don't think it's it's that. I I think it's you know that they're, they're not used to covering off a, a different team usually usually these past couple of years they've known what the nearest rival was going to do because it was internal uh whereas they don't know what ferrari going to do anymore sandra in the chat room says uh, she thinks that slow bottas made the results and othnell is suggesting that had bottas's pace been better seb wouldn't have stopped so early so yeah there was a bit of a cork in the bottle wasn't there chris and and that gave us the five cars that were so close together yeah valtteri really wasn't happy with the car during that first stint um toto said after the race that uh they had overpressured his tires uh which meant he was struggling with a lot of oversteer that meant they degraded quicker uh and that's that's fair play to him because um valtteri definitely was Mm. always the first one to get on the radio and saying yeah my rear tires uh, are going whether or not it was uh, actually that issue or whether it was in the setup, um, we don't quite know yet. Well, now then, see, these things are fine off one-off events, but what we've got so far is we've got, say, what, eight or nine stints in the F1 season so far, and Bottas has been fairly slow in all of them. And there's always a good reason. I mean, today in the second stint, he was on the wrong tyre, it seems. But there comes a point where you have to just apply Occam's razor and say, I think he's just a bit slower. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll get on to that later. I really wanted to get to uh, where the race was was won and lost because um, they, what ended up happening after the safety car was, you know, Vettel pulled away. Hamilton got stuck behind that bottle. Then Vettel and um, uh, Bottas on the softer tyres pitted, leaving Hamilton out. Now, this this scenario plays out a lot in Formula One where you've got the guy who stays out on the harder tyres. He sees the lead that he's got getting slower and slower and he knows he's got to come in and then they have the tactics of getting the fresh boots on and being racy towards the end of the race the thing is though about i don't know that rarely rarely works i mean how often do we see it jake we saw in singapore didn't we ricciardo nearly nearly doing it uh, and that seems to be what happens the guy at the front can always manage so this tactic of late fresh boots maybe not necessarily something that can overturn a lead i think the only time that has ever really worked is Canada 2011. It's the only time it's really worked. And I think people see that kind of late strategy call with rose tinted glasses that you can go out on a fresher set of tires right towards the end and really pressure somebody to, you know, make a mistake or you can overhaul them. It's the best case scenario strategy. And it's 
hoping for the best really and thinking well there's no way I won't be faster and there's no way that I can't pressure them into making a mistake but I think they're giving themselves too much credit when they make that risk it is very high risk to make that kind of strategy call and it kind of depends on you being meticulously ruthless to a point where you know you'd almost be willing to make a, a bold stupid move to push the other guy off the track if you have to and that's a difficulty you know I think that realistically you can't really make that strategy work unless you know wholeheartedly know that you've got the car underneath you that's going to be stronger than the other and at the moment Mercedes is still trying to figure out if they actually have the car that can do that they're faster than Ferrari over one lap but over the course of a race I'm not sure they are anymore they can be forgiven this weekend to effect to a, to a sense because Deg was higher this this weekend and in gp2 or f2 as it's now called earlier in the early in the day uh leclerc did the exact same thing and won the race it was it was actually amazing the last few laps of f2 today yeah but you um, can't do you can't do that in f2 you can do that in f2 you can't do it in f1 where the cars are much closer in comparison you're able to do it exactly at least here at least here there's there's performance differences in the car so it's possible also also those tires are still high deg whereas formula ones aren't anymore yeah, that's true. But they still they still see much higher deg this weekend than they have done the last two races. Oh yeah, generally, yeah, that's a very true case. But just Formula Two's tires are still, you know, the old Pirelli high deg ones. <laughs> Paul Wright saying, "Who else thinks Alonso held Seb up but let Lewis through?" That thought did cross my mind as well. You know, um, Alonso chose that time to pull off an overtaking maneuver just as uh, just as Vettel was pulling up on the straight. He was like, "No, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my little fake to the right." Uh, he did seem to hold him up actually, but you know, that's by the by, uh, Chris. What factors do you think um, really you know handed it to to Vettel there? Because obviously, maybe if he didn't have the penalty, maybe if he wasn't held up by Bottas, or do you think Vettel had the pace overall? He was just managing that pace at the end. I think Ferrari have definitely got raw pace in that car. It's most definitely a better race car than it is a qualifying car. Um, the start was particularly important for Sebastian as well to get him between the two Mercedes, um, because otherwise I think um, he, he, he might have gotten not left behind, but it definitely would have made his job an awful lot harder had he been behind both Mercedes rather than um, between them. Other than that, it was the, the first pit stop, get that yeah. track position, and you you dictate the race from there on. It did. I, I still feel, and I don't want to argue this point too much because it will become apparent over the season, that Mercedes still is still the faster race car. It's still the faster quali car. I think we didn't see Hamilton... Um, in the first two segments, driving as as fast as he could, some of some his fault, uh, some not his own. Jake, you want to come back on that? Well, yeah. To draw your comparison and kind of solidify it, it's interesting because the Mercedes F1 car from this year is very similar to the Williams F1 Renault from 1995. Oh yeah. In oh, the, yeah. over one lap, over one lap, <laughs> it's the stronger car. You can't really take it away from the fact you know Damon and David were able to beat Schumacher in qualifying in '95 so often. But in the race, Schumacher and the Benetton Renault were such a better force because they were able to read the strategy better. Their car was better over long race distances. They were able to beat 
you know, the Williams F1 car back then would be able to beat the Benetton over qualifying by sometimes anywhere between half a second to a second, but then they'd be knackered by Schumacher by half a minute in races. Jake, we kind you of history, that a little bit again. Jake, you history nerd. There's a much more recent example. 2013 Mercedes. They were out qualifying the Red Bulls by a second sometimes. Uh, Chris. Well, yeah, but I'm old school. I can't help it. <laughs> and it's got nothing to do with the fact that Schumacher was a far better driver than Coulthard and Hill. <gasps> Sacrilege. He's better, he's wow. Vettel, he's Vettel, a far better driver than Hamilton. Don't be so stupid. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. It's it's tough to know because Vettel is, you know, he's had the protection of four Red Bulls titles behind him with the best car. But in the Ferrari, the last two years, the car has not been up to it. Now he's got a car that is up to it. Who do you Might think you are the... kidding, Mr. Sampson? I'm not, I'm not joking because Vettel and Hamilton, they appear to be equals now in a straight fight. We've never really seen these two in a straight fight because the circumstances have not really played these two against each other in quite the same way over the course of a season. This might be the first time we ever get to see that test played out. I'm fascinated by it. Final word, unfortunately, will go to Sparkles. Yay. Um, I would definitely agree that Mercedes have got the faster car on the Saturday. Most definitely. We've got to remember that that car is uh, believed to be overweight and we're still not even sure if they're running 100% on their engine yet for fear of reliability concerns. So I, I guess we have to maybe wait a little bit longer before we make a proper judgment. But for now, it definitely seems like Ferrari and Mercedes are very much an equal on Sunday. Wrong. Alex, the chat, room's, uh, yeah, I, the chat room's gone mad. <laughs> I haven't listened to that. Um, I have a rather interesting piece of information from rather good authority that Merck aren't running their full 2017 spec engine yet they have a better lighter engine coming race five or six i'm not prepared to believe that until you name your source all right i've got to fire into the chat room here i've got (laughs) bernie says uh palmer starts 10th finishes 13 bravo taro anderson leclerc is also a slow french armored tank uh, and someone else has said it's also a supermarket. That's Ellis. Blackout 19 agrees that Schumacher was better than Coulthard and Hill combined. Uh, Hannah Hassel uh, in the chat room there is saying, if Sanson was Corporal Jones, Chris's private pike, and Spanners is Captain Mannering. Unbelievable. That's already comment of the week. I love that. I love the comparison. It's so true as well. So true. All right, look, let's move on to a p- section of the show where we can argue a little. That's a young person bumper that I stole from Chris Stevens on Lean Angle podcast, part of Downforce Radio, the nation's motorsports station. We'll talk to Chris a bit later on. But Jake, uh, what are you up to on Downforce Radio? You've got to be pleased with our stable. We give you Missed Apex. You've got Lean Angle podcast with uh, the young pups, Chris Stevens there. E-radio show as well, going from strength to strength this season. Absolutely. We get the best of everything in terms of the world of motor racing. You get an F1 podcast hours after the race has ended. You get e-radio uh, following every round of the Formula E Championship, which is where the buzzword of motor racing is at the moment. It's where all the manufacturers are going. And obviously, we all know that the racing is you know second for second, pound for pound. So intense in MotoGP. It's great to have Lean Angle on there. We have a few other shows, of course. We have our comedy show on a Friday night at Pitboard. And coming in the latter stages of April to the beginning of May, we also have a dedicated club racing show, which is for all forms of British motorsport. We also have Race the Roof, which is our British touring car dedicated podcast, which runs on the Wednesday after touring car meetings. So make sure you check out that as well. Downforceradio.com. 
and our Facebook and Twitter feeds. Subscribe to those. You won't miss any of it. Excellent. Ellis in the chat room says you could have an episode just reading chat room comments. You know what? We, we genuinely, genuinely could. I, I need to. Uh, there was an idea that I'm toying with, which is where I basically do some sim racing. So you get to see the <laughs> image of me sim racing and then a camera trained on me and people can just laugh at me. That could work as a podcast in and of its own right. I could see that working. Well, we used to have Tony Thunderbeast Barnard on here to read the chat room comments. And yes, been toying with um, lots of ideas. Do you know what I really want to do? We used to do Jake is we used to have a downforce radio rocket league night on xbox as well i think i'd like to do a missed apex version of that uh with some somehow live stream it with some chat going as well i think xbox have made it a lot easier now that could work and i am prepared to allow members of the public to join in because <gasps> i think they could teach us a thing or two that could be very very dangerously awesome and i tell you what if we keep it nsfw with the language i might even let Treeface join in as well no, I'm not going to allow that. <laughs> okay, let's get on to my favourite part of any podcast. Whose fault is this? All right, let's go to Alex Van Jean. Jean C, uh, as we know, the rules of Formula One are very, very clear in that there's no rules whatsoever about what you can and can't do in the in the corners. We'll get to what the stewards decided later. But what what who was at fault between Stroll and Sainz? Again, Stroll is taken out by the side. Again, he's taken out in the side pod because he's taking his normal racing line regardless of a car coming in on the inside. Last week, I blamed Perez. For the sake of consistency, this week, I'm blaming Stroll. What an idiot. Whose fault is this? God, I can't believe you look after a podcast if you think Stroll is at fault for this one. Um, <laughs> if Stroll wasn't there... Um, Sites would have been in a different country. He wasn't. He wasn't stopping in the slightest for that corner. Um, Stroll wouldn't even have thought about Sites because he'd have seen him coming out of the pit lane behind him. So there's no way he'd have expected him to have caught up the speed to actually get <laughs> the opportunity to be close behind him, let alone make a move. It was completely reckless from Sites, which is out of character uh, for Sites because it's not the kind of thing Sites does. But um, yeah, no, as far as I'm concerned, 100% science is full. Stroll did exactly what he should have done. So, Jake, also there's the factor that, um, I mean, Alex mentioned it last week with Perez saying, I wouldn't have made that move on a rookie. I mean, that makes Sainz's move even more uh, optimistic when you consider how few laps Stroll's completed. Yeah, in the same way Pastor Maldonado was at fault with Esteban Gutierrez uh, two years ago, Science was at fault with Stroll today. It's exactly the same sort of move. He, Stroll was actually very lucky that he didn't get flipped uh, because the way that the speed that Science was bringing out, it was an act of desperation from a guy who's usually quite cool and quite calculated and quite smooth. You know, the guy that last week had the audacity to start the race on slick tyres and it ended up working, just completely hit brain fade today. I'm not quite sure whether that's the same guy or not. Do you know what? I half expected him to start the race on Inters. Yeah. <laughs> why not? Let's go for it. Who knows? Let's why, just why roll not? the dice. Chris. Yeah, that's very true. Um, no, Science has gone a bit of a hero to zero, hasn't he? And it's been a dreadful weekend for him. There was the engine issue in qualifying and then this in, in, in the race. I have to agree with both of you. It's completely 100% his fault. Uh, I think some people in the chat room agree uh, as well. And that's why he was given a three-place grid penalty for the next race um, in Russia. There are some good ones in the chat room, actually. Cody Carreras at the scientist's fault, dove in when Stroll was clear into the braking zone. Uh, I think that's, um, that's Cody Coretti. Let's give him his Oh, due. sorry, Cody Coretti. 
Yeah. Uh, apologies, Cody. You've got an awesome name. I'm good um, at pronouncing things. Account 19 says, Stroll is the Stevie Wonder of F1 drivers. Oh, no. I don't even know why he has mirrors on his car. <laughs> Do you know what? But I kind of blame Stroll a little bit because you it can't, just, though. he must have no. known there was a car coming and to just take your completely normal racing line, he's got to be he partly responsible. Not when Sainz is just diving into that. He wasn't going to make the corner. And, or, and just again, just making that kind of move on a on a rookie as well. He definitely should have just backed out of it. At the end of the day, Stroll was in front. Uh, they got to the braking zone. Stroll is racing another driver. He's beaten him out of the pits. He has the right to control his racing line. It's the normal racing line. Stroll could not have done anything differently in the circumstances. In fact, if he had done anything differently in the circumstances, we would be mocking him for being a talentless 18-year-old rookie who didn't know what he was doing. Lars was absolutely on it. He needed to do what he needed to do. Carlos is the one who should get the book thrown at him because he's Ooh. been in the season in Formula on. 1 for three years. He knows better. Breaking news in the chat room. Blackout, Naki, uh, Blackout 19. Stroll said he saw it in the interview, as in he saw the car coming up behind him. Haha, <laughs> that means I'm completely well, correct yeah, somehow. Why, why should he change what he's doing, though? <laughs> why should he do anything any differently? He's a racing driver. He needs to defend his position. And if Carlos is going to be stupid enough to put his car on the inside and risk an accident, then he gets what he deserves. It's the same way that you can see a missile coming towards you. It doesn't mean you can avoid it. Exactly. Absolutely right. <laughs> I was like, but if you do think Stroll is to blame, then just go and watch the 2014 race. Okay, I tell you what, yeah. before we go on to that, though, I mean, we still haven't seen enough of Stroll to judge, to be fair. And uh, is it Mark Gallagher invited people to do uh, a call in? Uh, sorry, one of those Twitter things where you ask a question. And my question was, is Marcus Ericsson the 20th best driver on the grid? And he said, no, 19th. And if you disagree, I suggest you take a stroll down the pit lane. I actually think that Marcus Ericsson is the 21st best driver in the pit lane because Antonio Giovinazzi was remarkably better. Even when he was in bits down the pit straight? Even when he was in bits in the pit straight in Shanghai, yes. You can't judge Stroll yet. He's not been too far back on pace from a seasoned veteran of over 250 races, regardless of whether he's old or not. So you can't judge him on that. Um, and I'll try. Um, he's been... Every single race he's now not finished has been a brake failure and people have crashed into him. I, I refuse to actually judge Stroll yet. He's got plenty to come. He hasn't got to his position just because of his money. Yes, he has. He won whatever series it was. I can't remember the top of my head now. Formula, um, Formula 3. Formula, he won Formula 3. You've got to be good to win Formula 3 and money can't win you Formula 3. I so, disagree. I think money can can win you a junior championship but we'll have there's that an argument easy, another there's time. an easier comparison to draw to the situation between massa and stroll at williams and you have to go back to the year 2000 when a guy called jensen button made his debut the difference between ralph schumacher and jensen button in terms of one lap pace in quality and the race was about the same as we had from massa and stroll now it's about the same in terms of comparison we're not debating that jensen button's not a great world champion oh stroll could do that aren't we okay yeah, sure. Yes, yeah. we are not debating yeah, okay. that Jensen Button <laughs> yeah, sure. was yeah. a great world champion. We're not yeah, debating. Get out. Get I'm out agreeing with you. Now. <laughs> yeah, we're not debating that because you'll lose. You will um, lose. You, no, no, he's talking you to you. Will lose, Jake. <laughs> okay, look, Alex, you get your point, but also, can you bring it on to the actual penalty that Signs got? Um, I think we've been spoiled in recent years with drivers who've come in and been amazing, like Max, for example, and. They forget that sometimes drivers do take time to come along. 
And I'm not saying Lance Stroll is going to be all of a sudden a three, four time world champion because I don't think he will, but I think he'll still be good enough to have a long future in this sport. So Chris, briefly then, he ends up getting a three place grid penalty for for the next race is that correct for Russia uh which is interesting because you know you're always a big proponent of just saying oh look stop with these penalties just let them race you say oh, hang on let me do it in your voice oh, let's just stop with the penalties and just let's just let them race that was it that was perfect. Am I that really annoying guy at your work or something that was perfect Why do you Let's sound see. like mo the bartender from the simpsons i sound like chris <laughs> stevens uh, but chris you know you're always saying let him race let him race why are you in favor now of he, he had a go surely by your logic giving him a penalty now means people aren't going to try to lunge from 100 yards back out of the pit lane there's letting people <laughs> race and then there are silly maneuvers like what science did very uncharacteristic and you know when it's a 50 50 split drivers were still getting penalties for certain quote-unquote incidents last season that really shouldn't have been penalized this is not one of those examples science was clearly to blame for a collision okay we've spent too much time on this but i do want to um in between races let's revisit you know the rules of racing and what you can and can't do in a corner i think that's a very interesting subject uh, we'll bring up track limits at the same time we'll get bradley on it'll be a great time let's talk about the hamilton penalty i'm confused chris stevens i was yelling at the stream going this is BS, this is anti-British, there's an Italian driver steward probably, this is just trying to let Ferrari win. Uh, what did he actually do wrong? Because I've seen Lewis Hamilton back up a pack, he packed up a pack in Monaco um, to avoid being double stacked behind Rosberg. Um, I think that was the contact lens race where he, he said he had something in his eye or something like that. So what did he actually get penalised for? See, in, in these kind of other examples that people have mentioned, didn't actually block another driver, which is what he did do uh, on the pit entry this time round. You can see Ricardo, he's actually sort of brake accelerating and trying to avoid him and basically saying, hurry up. Okay, what hang on a minute. So, so they're under safety car conditions. They're coming into pit. What speed are you supposed to go? What, on the actual, in the pit lane or on, on the yeah, way? Yeah, well, I mean, to... because it started, he started slowing down, obviously, on the track itself, and he continued that. He was trying to time it so that he wasn't stacked behind Bottas. So what, what is the speed that you're supposed to go? Well, there are certain deltas uh, between each sector. You have a, an earliest time of arrival, uh, which is to kind of control everyone's speed on the way in. If you go unnecessarily slowly and start bunching people up to give another driver an advantage which is effectively what was happening that's worthy of a penalty what i don't understand though is why hamilton bothered with that and didn't just sit behind bottas in the pit box especially when you consider how quickly alex he got past ricciardo eventually anyway the reason he did it was because he was trying to slow ricardo down yeah because if he'd have had to have stacked ricardo would have got out ahead of him in the pit box, which was irrelevant anyway, because he got out ahead of him either. But the reason he got the penalty was he was deliberately impeding another driver. That's you're, why you're supposed to not impede for going too the... slow. Because I thought it was for going too slow. So it's, my hang opinion, on, that, well, that's opinion, what Chris and my, told me. And, and my opinion was was that um, there is a maximum speed limit in the pit lane, not a minimum speed limit in the pit lane. So I thought that'd be fine. But it was because he was deliberately impeding another driver. I think that's wishy-washy at best. No, I'm still sticking with BS, Jake. This is this I, rule. I, this rule has been made up particularly for this situation. I've never seen anything no, like it. No, I, I disagree. I have to side with Alex on this one because, I mean, 
this is the same guy, don't forget, that in Abu Dhabi backed Nico Rosberg into Sebastian Vettel in the hope that maybe Vettel might actually get past him. This is the same guy. And that was allowed. That that was yeah, allowed. of course yeah. it was allowed, but this is slightly different. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Because this is actually stopping a guy from taking a pit stop in the right time uh, to impede a position. And in the same way that when you're driving out on the road, you get irritated by people who are traveling 30 miles an hour in a 60. It's actually almost as dangerous as speeding because you're driving to a certain speed expectation. And Daniel could very easily have gone into the back of Lewis, caused a bigger, a bigger accident. It was just it was desperation from Lewis. I mean, it's great in terms of his strategy and tactic. He wants to win. He wants to make sure he's got a better opportunity to not lose time. Of course, he's going to try it, but he shouldn't be that surprised if he's going to get a penalty for it. It's like, OK, you tried that one. It didn't work. Try something else next time. The reason it's different to Abu Dhabi is because Abu Dhabi was in a racing was was in a racing situation. When there is a safety car, the race is neutralized. Yeah. So correct. it's it's get to the pit stops, travel to the deltas that you're set um, and you're not that you're not racing at this point. It's getting things around the track so safety can be taken out. You're not racing, so you shouldn't be doing racing manoeuvres. And to be honest, if he'd have just waited behind him, the situation would have been exactly the same anyway. Yeah, so he probably would have had a better chance to win if he hadn't impeded Ricardo in the first place. If he'd have just queued up behind him, he probably would have had a better chance to beat him. So it's a job up to experience. So let's Hindsight be absolutely clear, Chris. He got penalised for because you said it was for going too slowly but is it is it the combination of going behind a delta and holding up a competitor then well it'll be the combination the official wording oh, right. is okay. that it's yeah, he yeah, was yeah. going too slowly but uh over, yeah impeding another a driver and uh, rapid scorpion actually is playing in the chat room um surely if ricardo got out in front of hamilton it should have been null and void he gained no advantage in the end um to which i would say to which we don't know what Chris would say because no, he's just uh, his Skype just uh, fizzled out. Did it? Yeah. Oh well, I'll say that again. We just fizzled out again. So we're really struggling what? at your end. I guess it sounds okay. It, You're it hearing started... yourself in real time. 
you not get this point across? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's a conspiracy by Skype to prove to you that you're absolutely incorrect about that. So that's probably quite a good a good time to go on. So just going back to the tactics um, a little bit, when we got to that second pit stop, guys, uh, before we go on to any other business. Oh, and by the way, that reminds me that we are taking call-ins. So if anybody wants to call in, I can teach you absolutely. <laughs> Alex, oh. do you think you're on mute? Oh, I love Alex. He's my favorite. Okay, so if you want to call in, all you have to do is use the Skype app on your phone. That's right. Follow the advice of my wife singing on that song there by opening up your Skype app and adding spanners ready on the call. Give me a call. I will ignore it and then I will add you back to the group. So let's just clarify that. If you're calling in, add spanners ready. I'll accept you as a contact. And then uh, all you have to do is just sit back and wait for me to add you back to the call. Hello, we have Paul Wright. I recognize the name from our patron group, Paul. Uh, What is it you would like to say on Missed Apex podcast? Okay, well, it looks like Paul's definitely having some communication uh, issues, so we're going to give up on you for now, unfortunately. Okay, so uh, let's go on to uh, any other business. We've done Whose Fault Is This? We've done the race strategy. Can I convince you to support Missed Apex Podcast? By going to patreon.com and searching for Missed Apex Podcast. You can give us a tip jar donation. You can support us in our running costs. You can support us in buying new equipment, in maintaining equipment. And as a scant reward, as a slight reward, I am humbly inviting all our patrons to join us in a Slack group in which we have a very good time and um, we really do appreciate anything you can spare. We're looking for things between 2 and $5 a month. Uh, help us out. Uh, help us keep the show on the road and make it so that my wife can't ever have a go at me for spending money on this podcasting shed. I fully, fully appreciate it. Okay, guys, let's uh, let's talk about uh, team positions and team rankings. Uh, Chris Stevens, we are now in a situation where, let's be honest, Ferrari have decided that Kimi Raikkonen is the number two driver. They learned their lesson in China not to let them race because it costs them a win. They've learned their lesson that uh, that Sebastian Vettel is the number one driver. Is this the tipping point for Mercedes in much the same fashion where they've realized that Bottas is just that bit slower and they can't let Lewis Hamilton be held up for two or three laps, or I think eight laps on this occasion after a stint, and actually wreck Mercedes' chance of winning a Grand Prix? I don't remember it being um, quite that long, but... Uh, 14 I think laps, we... I think it was. <laughs> Ruined, everything. Ruined everything. Ruined <laughs> everything. I think it would be very unfair of uh, Mercedes to immediately just call the shots on every Grand Prix from now that Lewis gets the advantage every single time. I think ultimately they made the right call because Lewis could have had a stab at Seb towards the end of the race with the fresher tyres. It is really difficult because Valtteri's got every... Uh, you know, right to defend his position. 
Yeah, but and can I, I just say, uh, Rapid Scorpion is in there. He's agreeing, saying, "Can you really judge Bottas like that in only his third Merc weekend?" I'm not so, so sure. I have some sympathy uh, with that, Jake. But the thing is, it has been a marked difference. And as Jeansy keeps pointing out, there are rookies that have come in uh, or new teammates that have come in and kept up with their teammates. At this point, you might, you're not closing the door on Bottas, but what you've got to say right now is you haven't come out, out of the blocks. It's now up to you to, to prove to us you're not the number two driver. I'm going to go back on what I've said about Valtteri Bottas in recent weeks. And I think recently on this show, in fact, I did make a point that I believe Valtteri Bottas to be the secret, uh, unadulterated love child of Nick Heidfeld and Heike Kovalainen. I no longer believe that. I no longer believe that because I think he's got a bit more. <laughs> Alex is laughing. I think there's a bit more to him than that. I think he is the 2017 Yano Trulli. I do think it, because uh, wasn't Yano Trulli always spectacular in qualifying? He was good. He could yeah. pull off a great lap when he was needed. Bang. Uh, and then he couldn't do anything else with it in the race. He would just lead or, or just hold up a massive queue of cars. It's a shame because uh, Valtteri probably has a bit more to bring to the table that he's able to at the moment. But ultimately, Lewis is able to do the same job with the same car. So you kind of have to start that argument from somewhere. In our chat group today, I called Bottas the Trulli train. Um, <laughs> but I think the issue Bottas has is, first of all, if it was like last season, where the Merc was clearly quicker, the conversation wouldn't even be being had. But yeah. they have a fight on their hands with Ferrari. But also, has Bottas put himself there? I don't know if you watch the interviews after the race, that boy looked broken. Yeah, he, he really, really looked broken. After being so elevated and lifted after a brilliant pole position yesterday, he was absolutely flattened. And if that happens one or two more weekends, he's done anyway. I'm going to coin a new phrase, Trilly Train, Bottas Bus. There you go, Bottas Bus. I love it. We'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to this. Uh, joining us on the line is a bit of a blast from the past. Joining us from some paternity leave with his new precious icka little daughter is Tony Thunderbeast Barnard. How's it going, T? You're on mute, bud? Hello. Hello, is this thing on? Tony, you're testing, here. Testing. Hooray. One, two, three. We have a successful hey, call in. Hey, I was bugging you to call in because I was hoping you might be able to give us a bit of an update on the Fantasy GP because you were like something like third last week. Hey, I couldn't be bothered to call in when you asked me and then I started feeling sorry for you because you were looking pretty <laughs> pathetic when you floundered in there with all the failed attempts. I kept very calm. <laughs> yeah, I was 14th last week. 14th? Wow. Me, the guy who knows nothing. And have you continued that success this week? No, I had a terrible week. Terrible week. I had uh, I've dropped down to 29th. 29th. That's not actually... What are you? That, yeah, all right. As yeah, if you don't know. Well, I, think... well, I was just going to say, well, what, are, what are you running at at the minute, Spanners? I think I'm down to 88th out, out of, uh, is it 220? So not a disaster, but it's, it's pretty poor. At least I'm better than Jake, and Jake was third at one point. I was third yeah. in Australia, and now I'm about 789th. You're 128th, apparently, and Alex Van Gien oh, is, is, is 118th. So, uh, yeah, it's not all disaster. But, Tony, what are you basing your picks on? Oh, well, obviously, right. I, I don't want to give it all away because then you would just match <laughs> me and then stay text at, me, text at, at least that amount of points, points behind me so I can't build in a more embarrassing gap. But what I will say is I always pick Marcus Ericsson straight up. Oh, get out. Yeah, straight up, mate. Three weeks running. Is it three weeks? Yeah, Marcus Harrison, mate. Is this like a showboat thing? where has that 
got you. I tell you well, where it's got him. Been on an aquatic adventure yet? I think it's that kind of thing where you're like, look, no, no hands. I'm beating you one-handed. I'm not even doing it. You're showing that you can beat us, even though you've got Mark <laughs> Ericsson. Yeah, mate, straight up, it's brilliant. Honestly, I can't believe it. I just, I'll give you a clue. I'm looking at it mathematically. I'm taking ego out of it. I'm not including my favourite guy because that's just the route to destruction. Ricciardo. Thinking, yeah, I'm thinking about it cold. But yeah, I'm I'm really pleased with it. We'll see how we get on next time. See how we get on with the next race. What was your favourite part of this race this week? My favourite part of this race was uh, (laughs) Alonso doing a rage quit. I think he just had enough. Rage quit. Yeah, box out. He does it every week, and Kravitz has finally uh, cottoned <laughs> on to what we were saying last season, which is that you should bet on Alonso to not be classified every single race. All right, cheers, Tony. Thanks for joining us. All right, mate. See you later, lads. Okay, then, back to the Bottas team situation. Uh, Alex, is there? it is up to him to just earn it back, isn't it? Yeah, he's got to go at the next race with the same attitude he went out with qualifying. Um, and Mercedes has got to not mess up his tyre pressures. Um, and he's got to, he has to, he has to beat Lewis in a race. That, that's, that's what he has to do out and out pace wise has to be Lewis. Cause if he can't, then his cards are written. And as I keep saying, he has a one year deal. If he had a three year yeah. deal, he's got, he's got some, some breathing space. He has no breathing space. So there's actually more pressure on him than there is on Lewis. All right. Then Chris, argue with me. Bottas cost Mercedes the win today. No. He did. He objectively cost... No. If he wasn't there, if his car wasn't there as a roadblock, Hamilton <laughs> could have won the race. I'll the, agree Who would you. have I'll... held up Vettel? Who would have held up Vettel? I'm sorry, what cost Mercedes the race today was Lewis getting that penalty. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to say, I'll argue with you. Bottas didn't cost Mercedes the win. <laughs> Lewis cost Mercedes the win. Twit. And he held his hands up to that. Even though it shouldn't have been a penalty, he held his hands up. So gracious. He's so gracious. Even he when messed he's... himself up in the race by not qualifying on pole. Now, I'll agree so with gracious. that. Well, yes. I'll agree Actually. with that. Hang on. You just said so gracious. He is so gracious in, uh, in defeat. I think, I think he always you conducts himself. You have the podium, so you can't speak. He well, always yeah, conducts but... himself very well in interviews. He always thanks the team. I don't know what more you want. I don't know. Are you oh. are you just remembering back to the young twenty two year old and letting that carry all the way through till now? Are you? Is it's that what you're doing, time, Jake Sanson? It's the first time for everything, I suppose. Shall we judge you for YouTube videos of you? Please uh, do what we, <laughs> please what we shall do. laughingly call running down racetracks. Yes, please judge me. I am here to be judged. Uh, uh, absolutely fair enough. But to be honest, here we go, Alex. You and me agree. There's a clear number one, number two. They're going to learn their lessons. Until Bottas proves himself, uh, Lewis has to get preferential treatment to go and beat those Ferraris because they are in a fight with another team. But do you think that Mercedes can do that? Have they got that within their their ethos? Toto loves Bottas a bit too much. He does. And I think they'll, I think they'll hang with Bottas for maybe another couple of races. I mean, in all the Sky stuff afterwards, everyone except Damon Hill said, right, it's time to put Lewis as number one. But had a killer driver's career. Same thing happened to Heike Kaivalainen. You've got to give Bottas has proved himself to be a decent driver. Maybe not one of the best on the grid, but um, he does need a bit of a chance. Or are you going to kill the guy's career? Bottas potentially to end up at somebody like Haas or back to Williams 2018. I can already see it. I'm going to already see it in the same way that 
Heike, as you mentioned, you know, Heike was billed as the next big thing to fill the void for Fernando. It just didn't happen. And okay, he won one race, but that was gifted to him on a silver platter when someone else's engine went up in terms of Massa and Ferrari. I can't see. I, I was. I wanted to see Bottas as a good stopgap because he was reliable and dependable at Williams. But I don't know whether that's just you know raising Felipe Massa's average to say that about Bottas. It's difficult because if Bottas was really all that. He should be at the same level as Hamilton. These are brand new cars. It's a brand new formula. Hamilton is the best, you could argue. But Bottas should be closer than that to him. I can't really see this working out long term. All right, lads. Time for any other business. In what will definitely be the only Daddy I Want a Pony award, uh, Verstappen's brakes fail. That's actually quite rare for the Red Bull. Just have the brakes fail. It can't stop. Uh, bins it in the wall. Uh, but he, in the, even in the dry, he was looking good up until then. It, it was a real shame uh, that we didn't get to see what he could do. Yeah, I think there's still a lot of uh, question marks about Red Bull in general. I, yeah, they were right up there with the with the Bottas bus, if you want to call it that. Um, but but it was a real shame for. Verstappen, we didn't really get to see what what he could do because he was on the super soft tires as well, which uh, ultimately probably would have been the the better strategy because uh, we saw Daniel he really struggled on that soft tire. The Red Bull seems to be very very quick at the start of the race and then vanishes off the face of the planet after the second pit stops. So Verstappen seems to think he could have got sort of second or third today, but Danny Rick finished thirty seconds behind Seb. <sighs> Something's going wrong with that Red Bull. Well, we, I had a, a little thought about this and that maybe um, the Red Bull performs better with higher fuel loads because we've seen them in qualifying mm, not that's so much on there. Yeah. And at the end of the race, it's not all there. Uh, however, the only kind of dent in my theory at the moment um, is that we only got to see one Red Bull finish today and that was Ricardo, and he was really struggling on that soft tyre, like I said. I think had he been on that super soft, we might have had a better comparison because it just seems to be that, that Red Bull works very well on that super soft. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it, with the whole Red Bull thing? Because there was a lot of hype pre-season that you, what was really going to make the difference was the chassis. And everybody was billing, well, OK, if this is going to be a chassis war, then Adrian Newey, Red Bull, they're going to pull a fast one. And it's just been so underwhelming the first three races that Red Bull can't even get their cars to the finish without difficulties in the first three races. And it's... You've got to ask, you know, this is Red Bull at a point where they should be really well in the mix of the fight. And you just see Danny and uh, Max fourth and fifth, fourth and fifth, fourth and fifth. Most of the sessions or certainly most of the races that they've had the opportunity in terms of stints to be in that position. And that's going to frustrate Dan. But more to the point, it's going to frustrate the Verstappen household in particular. And we know how dodgy a dealer is with Yoss. What's the betting? They're already behind closed doors, starting to flirt with Toto Wolff about the prospect of getting him into the Mercedes when Bottas isn't good enough. That is something I can genuinely see as a possibility going into 2018. If this keeps up, Red Bull need to turn this around and they need to turn it around pronto. That's a delicious the, prospect. The mm-hmm. telling thing about Red Bull is when was the last time you saw Danny Ricardo smile? That's a very good point. That's a very good point. I actually haven't seen him smile since they did the uh, press photography pre-Melbourne. That's a very good point. Danny is the most happy person in the entire history of motorsport, never mind Formula One. 
he looks so down in the dumps, he doesn't even want to be there. I genuinely think he'd probably be happier driving the McLaren the way things are currently going. And that's saying quite a lot, considering where the McLaren is. So, yeah, Dan needs to think of something fast or he's going to be flirting with Ferrari to go and partner Vettel. I can see that happening as well. Well, you know who is grumpy? As Sandra points out in the chat room, Horner is a grumpy old man now. And I think that any interview with Christian Horner is now absolutely essential viewing. He has just got this mentality now like, I'm an old man. I don't have to give a damn. I'm just going to say whatever I want. He's just like a much more attractive and modelly, often topless version of Nicky Lauda, but for Red Bull. He's amazing. I love the guy. And that is what being married to a Spice Girl does to people. He, he can just tell you what he wants, what he really, really wants. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it, it's just awful. But hey, there are four other Spice Girls who have had bad relationships before this one to give you that indication of how it should have gone. Christian, seriously, dude. I mean, full credit to you, full plaudits. And she's making an effort by being at F1 races and trying to look like she knows what she's talking about. But even the team isn't doing so well. Sorry, mate. Oh, Chris, before we go to you, I'll just say that J- Jerry Halli- Halliwell was the best Spice Girl. Yeah, she was. Oh, yeah. And had the best career after the fact. Oh, yeah. As well. No, she's brilliant. I love her. Genuine. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, Force India are doing all right, aren't they? Before we move on to the podium. Yeah. Double points finish again. Ocon 10th for the third race in a row. But Perez, what a recovery drive as well. Up to seventh, having got caught out by those yellow flags in Q1. I thought that was worthy of a mention. It definitely is. And uh, I think the, the last thing, I mean, do we really want to beat the dead horse of how terrible Honda and uh, Alonso is, Alex? We, I mean, we don't really. We know the situation they're in. Oh, look, Chris is waving his hands frantically. All right, then. Look, people were going, oh, Alonso, he's, he's raced the pants off that thing. Yeah, against a Sauber and Palmer. Well, well, this is interesting because uh, Hannah Hassel uh, asks in the chat room, uh, how well would Alonso have done in Palmer's car? Uh, to which a lot of the reaction seems to have been, well, for one, he would have finished. Paul Wright says it would have been like a rapid sloth. <laughs> a rapid sloth. Uh, look, Alonso, it does, he can just he can keep saying he's doing everything he can and he's driving amazingly all he wants. Uh, but as long as he keeps rigging Van Dorn's car to not start, uh, we, we're not going to have a comparison about how well he's actually doing. And did you notice that Hulkenberg was copying him? He's copied the Alonso book of uh, self-appraisal as well. Is McLaren at the moment like being run from a university sorority room? Is it just like all the guys there are just kind of, well, we might just show up today. Uh, 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 oh, look, the new series of Big Bang Theory's on. We'll just do one car. That'll do. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Oh, Jensen, uh, do you want to come back to Monaco? Yeah, you're going to do the testing? Uh, can't be bothered. And uh, apparently McLaren have been pushed to last in the championship by Veerlein coming 11th. That's according to Blackout 19. I think they're having the same dilemma as Ferrari did before. Um, uh, that's in response to Hannah Hassel saying these power units must be so tasty or thirsty if the McLaren is eating so many. Ah, tasty. That's quite funny. I misread that and ruined it completely. Uh, But they've lost a couple of power units already, so that's going to be a big concern. And and I know we haven't got into the whole Alonso IndyCar thing because it's been done to death in the week before we've got here. Uh, But but look, Alonso season's over already. You cannot take anything against him for wanting to go and do something where he might actually win a race. Alex? The problem is, is if the McLaren is as good as a car 
as a chassis, as an aero package, as they keep banging on. And he is so amazing in the corners as he keeps telling everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, surely Monaco is the best place to describe that. Now, I know you have a hatred for Monaco. It's pointless. You, it's not pointless. It is these, pointless. The drivers love it. Hulkenberg this week actually said, I would not drop Monaco for any other race, for any other series, because I love going there. The drivers love it. It's not about the spectacle. It's about how difficult that circuit is. But we can talk about that when Monaco comes around. I'm not going into that now. But no, do you know what? Um, the Gilmore, Christian... on, the, on the set of the Gilmore Girls, all the actors and actresses on there say how much they love it. Now, that is the biggest, hottest, steaming pile of excrement I've ever come <laughs> across. But oh they, oh, they love it. They enjoy it. So let's all keep watching Gilmore Girls. That's what you want, Van Jean. Let's make F1 Gilmore Girls. Rubbish. <laughs> Monaco's pointless to the vast majority of fans that are sitting there watching nothing happen. I've literally booked my holiday over the Monaco weekend. Chris Stevens will be hosting with Matt Trumpets. We have gone into a universe where you have just con- you've just compared Formula One to the Gilmore Girls. Dude, Monaco. your life is over. <laughs> Monaco. My wife but, yeah, but watches a lot of Gilmore Girls. An element of F1 for the Gilmore Girls. Your life's officially over. In, that, just case, ended it right in that case, we might as well go to the podium. Chris Stevens, before we find out who everyone has put on the podium for their awards, uh, you have been doing a bit of PR work as you stretch your legs and become a fully-fledged journalist. At some point, somebody's going to kick you out of the journo tree to see if you fly or break your little journo beak. Oh, I love that analogy. Yeah, Yes, I will be doing some PR work. I'm going to Alton Park tomorrow um, to do some work with BAM Motorsport uh, in the British GT. So I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a bit different for me because PR is a bit different from journalism. You only focus on one team. So I'm that's really for- cool. That's cool. You're in, you're within a stone's throw from me. I order you not to throw a stone at my house. Like, I'll try. Don't do it. It's because he lives in a glass house. Don't do it. <laughs> so Chris Stevens, if you're like the face of a thing, do they want you to cut that little Superman curl thing you've got coming down the middle of your forehead like it's 2003? No, no, this is, I'm sorry, this is the moody, you know, grimy, grungy, I love it. And don't you dare, don't you dare say anything mean about my hair because I absolutely love it. And if they ask me to cut it, I never will. It's the source it of your power. you're a student and never had a shower? I don't have a... Uh, I don't have a shower. I don't. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, I'm not a student, technically. Because <laughs> you weren't clever enough. Chris Stevens, where can people follow all your antics online? You can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, cstevens underscore journo. Uh, written work is mostly at formulaspy.com. Uh, and then Lean Angle Podcast, we're actually live streaming this week on uh, Downforce's Facebook page on uh, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Awesome. Alex Van Jean, uh, please tell people where they can catch up with you on Twitter as well. You can catch up with me on Twitter at Alex Van Jean. I'm still behind on followers, so I really appreciated it when I had a bunch of people following me last time. I made a, 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 a um, shameless plug for my at Alex Van Jean, V-A-N-G-E-E-N. Um, and there should be some racing stuff coming up next month, hopefully. And there might even be a return to a 24 hours, maybe. 
Excellent. And uh, and uh, this year I will make much more of an effort to spectate or at least keep up with. And if I can, race alongside you at any point, Mr. Van Jean. Uh, follow me at Spanners Ready, please, as well. Uh, Alex is uh, is right. It's really nice when people follow you on Twitter uh, based on the things you produce. It's just a massive, massive compliment and we appreciate it. Jake Sanson is over at, oh, you look like you've got an underscore in your handle, probably at underscore Jake underscore Sanson. And not as complicated as that. It's just at Jake Sanson on Twitter. I get very controversial when things go my way or not my way. The I don't o- know. The I other just say way. Load of rubbish. Can I do another quick shameless plug? Yeah. Because a lot of a lot of people have been supporting my recent uh, dally into car journalism as well as motorsport journalism. Uh, so watch me do my unashamedly ridiculous audition for the next presenter opening at Top Gear uh, by subscribing to another YouTube channel, which is uh, the Trade Price Cars. YouTube channel. I do my best impersonation of what I think a Top Gear presenter should look like on there, playing with cars and having a lot of laughs and basically uh, laughing hysterically while driving very fast cars very, very fast. So uh, yeah, do that because it's funny. It, it is actually. I, I, do, I do sit and watch those. Uh, it's my guilty pleasure alongside the Gilmore Girls. Uh, Alright, come on, let's find out what your awards are, guys. Uh, let's see. It's Thing of the Week. Chris Stevens, what is your Thing of the Week? Uh, I don't think people uh, uh, are going to expect this one, but for me, it's Charles Leclerc uh, f- from the Formula 2. I had to give that guy a shout out uh, because, frankly, I couldn't think of anything in the F1. God, it's an F1 show. You're an insufferable idiot. Van Jean, rescue us. You wanted to do F2 stuff, so. <laughs> okay. Um, my thing of the weekend. I've got. I've written a few down, but I'm actually going to go with Hulkenberg. Oh. Because that qualifying lap from Hulkenberg was exceptional yeah to put that I can't really end up in the grid now but that was a stunning lap from a car that shouldn't be there and the fact of how he has destroyed Palmer makes me now worry for Palmer certainly does Jake Sanson your thing of the weekend my thing of the weekend was Fernando Alonso rage quitting and basically giving us something all to smile about because that guy is way above uh, what the McLaren should actually be. So, yeah, my man Fernando Alonso for speaking it as it is and keeping it real. Like He doesn't care, does he? Like, there's no kind of corporate sponsor to Honda, is it? He literally said, nope. I have never raced with less power in my life. He said no, that... No, McLaren have no sponsors to cheese off, so he's what does it matter? I love him for it. But he said it on telly. Like, does he not know he's on telly, or does he definitely know he's on telly? Okay, the next award is uh, Missed Apex Award. Who missed the Apex? Chris Stevens. Just want to point out, everyone loves my uh, Leclerc uh, choice, so... Uh, hmm. Yeah, well, they're not producing an F1 uh, podcast, so... Anyway. Uh, anyway, uh, who missed the apex? Um, Marcus Ericsson, because he got absolutely trumped by Pascal Verlein yep. on his first weekend back. His first weekend of the season. Yeah, in fact, his first qualifying of the entire 2017 regulation. And he's actually uh, gone a second ahead of Marcus Ericsson. It's almost as if Marcus Ericsson is terrible and should get in the sea. Alex Van Jean, have you had your Missed Apex Award stolen? Have you got to quickly think of a new one? No, because I'm well prepared and I have lots. But no, well I, done. I I had Pascal down as a possible thing of the weekend. Oh no, that's so good. I completely so I completely agree with Chris. Um, for two weeks in a row, my Missed Apex Award is Lewis for his penalty. Oh, you've given himself. it to Lewis Hamilton two weeks in a row. Are you that desperate mm. to prove that you don't man love him? Well, we got really, really nasty criticised saying we are just a ham fosy podcast. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm, I, that is, I'm trying to do that. That that's, I'm actively going for that. Is you guys keep ruining it by saying he's bad, Chris? Lewis is only second in the championship. What a terrible start to the <laughs> year for him! What an idiot with it against an equal four-time world champion. Jake. My missed apex award of the week goes to Carlos Sainz Jr. for doing the world's greatest. Pastor Maldonado tribute act there has ever been in the history of Formula One. I think he was absolutely on it. He had brain fade. He wasn't really looking where he was going. He was being arrogant and cocky without reason. He was being completely un-Carlos Sainz-ish. That's a genuine, bona fide Pastor Maldonado tribute act. Good job. He literally missed the apex. Exactly. You can't get a better missed apex award than that. He didn't even get to the apex. Good lad. Okay, mine is, you know I support the British drivers. You know I do. You know we think he's a nice guy. You know we're supporting him, but... Don't do it. Don't do it. I have to. I know what you're going to do. I know what you're going to do. Don't do it. I'm doing it to inspire him. Presumably he listens to everything I have to say. Uh, My missed apex goes to Julian Palmer because he is too far. I knew you were going to do it. He's too far behind Nico Hülkenberg and he was running around dead last for most of that race and he was, you know, fighting toe-to-toe with the car with the least power Fernando Alonso has has ever driven with. We just need to see some good results from him um, to be that far behind your teammate, you know, uh, given a talented teammate, it is a missed apex. He's, he needs to catch up. Time to give Oliver Rowland the keys. I'm not saying give up on him yet. I'm just saying he didn't do well enough this weekend. And Hashtag uh, controversial. <laughs> hashtag controversial. All right, here's my favourite award. I'll go for the easy one. Okay, so yes, you're disappointed that you crashed your car and the brakes didn't work and it wasn't your fault. And it is definitely, as my daughter says, super, super duper unfair, dad. But then you go and kick the hoardings and you go and have a proper meltdown and a proper tantrum. And I'll tell you what, though, the only thing that saved him was he pointed straight to the little Vespa that they have to the side. And it looked like he was going to rage ride that moped. And he went to get on it. And I think you could kind of see his body language go, no, I need to count to 10 before I get on another vehicle. Uh, but yeah, wow, that was some emotion, wasn't it, Jake? I thought Verstappen was very, very ponyish this weekend. Uh, bless him. He's still only about 12 and uh, he's still not really taking his rage classes very well or seriously. Uh, bless him. Uh, so fair play to him. But I would like to give a different pony. Award, yeah, go for that. Uh, purely for the beauty of it. It's got to be Fernando. Fernando, Fernando, Fernando. He's, for me, he's the pony of the week because it was so tongue-in-cheek. You he, know, know, he knows what he's should, doing. Yeah. Exactly. That yeah. should have been a rage quit, but it wasn't really a rage quit. It's, it's a pony because he wasn't really ponying. It's ironically a pony. I love him. I am amazed nobody has said uh, mine yet, which is going to be Kimi Raikkonen. Oh, once again, because wow. I, I knew Alex was going to say it as well. <laughs> once again, he's sitting there. Is he ready up? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't as long as last race where it was literally a race-long pony rant. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's whinging. Is he having genuine problems, Chris? Or is he, you know, is it a combination of being frustrated by his genuine lack of pace as well as the odd issue? I think, uh, what was he described? It? He described it as lots of little things that are kind of building up to um, this big lack of pace. I think he's very frustrated with the team as well because they are just, almost neglecting him a little bit. Yeah, don't they leave him out as standard? They leave him out 20 laps longer than Sebastian Vettel just to see what happens. 
Could that be neglect of the elderly? What Ferrari are poor causing on Kimmy? <laughs> yeah. How do you win a constructors' championship, Ferrari? Answer: Have two drivers at the front doing really, really well. Not one, and then the other one, you know, flirting with the Felipe Massa, Nico Hulkenberg territory. Dude, that guy needs to be further up front. Ferrari, get your skates on. Yeah, well, that's true. When I said Ferrari were good tactically and they were making these positive decisions and they were taking the impetus, obviously, I meant with Vettel. <laughs> yeah, with Vettel. But with Kimi, they just kind of go. Let's uh, let's just see how this plays out. It, it might well work out. He's fine. He doesn't need a team manager or a strategist. He can handle himself. <laughs> Final award goes to our chat room, who I have to say have been epic this week. Definitely could have sat here and read chat room comments out um all all week, all week. Or um, do you know what? I'm fluffing because I'm looking for the comment of the week bumper. I need a much much better soundboard. Uh, there it is. Can I do my pony bit while you try? Oh and find yeah, it? absolutely. Go for it. So, as you three all nicked the three that I had written down, um, I'm actually going to go and merge two together, which is Bottas and Stroll. And I can merge them together because they're both technically still Williams, because Bottas will go back there next year. Um, (laughs) And, I mean, the disappointment, I mean, Stroll looked like he'd taken his pocket money away. Definitely. Um, you know, the, the the four million that he gets from his dad in pocket money every week. Um, he he just looked, but I didn't do anything and he took me out again and it's three races in a row and it's not fair. And Bottas was like, I was so slow and the team did the right thing by moving me out of the way, but it's not fair. I'm trying my hardest and then I just don't know when the thing happened. That's a great comment yeah. by Rapid Scorpion in the chat room. It's almost like Ferrari just let Kimmy deal with it, and then they poke him with a stick like, he doesn't like that, does he? <laughs> and then Korku Anoma, uh, quite rightly, does point out, wah. Wah. So comment of the week goes to Hannah Hassel. Comment of the week. If Sanson is Corporal Jones, Chris is Private Pike, and Spanners is Captain Mannering. We're all on board with that. What is it, Chris? Can I throw out a personal comment of the week? Of course you uh, can. To, to Hannah and uh, Paul Wright, who both said, we love Rainbow Sparkles, Stevens. Do you know what, <laughs> do you know what Chris? In the spirit of Easter, I'm going to let you have that. Thank you. I think it was an ironic one, but anyway. Comment of the week. Thank you so much for your support of Missed Apex Podcast on the live stream. Spanners Ready on YouTube. Subscribe to that. Find us on Facebook. Missed Apex Podcast. Search that in Facebook. Follow me at Spanners Ready at Missed Apex F1 to follow the podcast account. By the way, if it's controversial on there, could be any of us. Could be literally any of us running that account. Not necessarily me. Uh, why don't you go ahead and support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com and searching Missed Apex Podcast. What else? What have I forgotten to plug, Chris? I wasn't paying attention. No, so. no, I wasn't either. Of course, follow our friends at Downforce Radio, the nation's motorsport station. Catch up with all their shows there. And do remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. My talent took me 90% of the way there today, but you guys were okay. Appreciate it. Not you, Jake. Or you, and I Chris. only messed up once. Yeah, that was bad. You're going to have to edit that out. <laughs> it's not going to be the seven-hour edit it was last week, Jeansy. By the way, yeah, Hannah, def- Hannah, needs, Hannah needs to know if 
that counts as two comments of the week. It does. Yep. Okay. It legit counts but, as but two comments of the week. It, it does. Obviously. <laughs> it does. I've got to change your Twitter profile for that, though. I so, got to hear the Thunder Beast live. I've never yeah. heard the Thunder Beast live before. I've missed Thunder Beast. <laughs> Paul's saying, can you edit my call, non-call out? Don't worry, mate. No, it's fine. We'll just go, oh, we tried to call Paul, right? You'll get a name check. Oh, it didn't work. And I'll edit in. Oh, and he was in no way to blame in any fashion. I'll edit that in. still got a comment of the week, Paul. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.